0: Don't want to have a good receiving core. I want to have the best receiving core in football. And I think to have the best, you gotta have the best. In my opinion, we acquired the best wide receiver in football and let's get to work. I'm just excited to be in the same buildings as with guys who've been great from the past. But I'm excited to be here and help things go to another level for us a winning environment
1: got a great opportunity to go and play with a great coach, great coaching staff, great organization, a lot of history, and in a year you'll be the first part of the first team that ever played in Vegas, and I couldn't turn that offer down.
2: Hello and welcome to the Vegas Nation podcast. I'm your host Heidi Fang, joined along with our Raiders beat writer Michael Gelkin, who covers all things silver and black for the Review Journal. We will get into all the free agency moves. We have a guest lined up for you. His name is Pat Kerwin. He hosts SiriusXM's Move in the Chains. But first, before we get into all of that, the big question of the day, Michael, have you had any time to rest since March 11th?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's been pretty busy. It's been pretty busy. And I would say even before March 11th with the Antonio Brown news, it's um, it's been pretty hectic. But that's the time of year and it was anticipated with all of the roster needs that the Raiders had, all the vacancies, given they signed a number of players to one year contracts in 2018. Those guys filled some roles, but there were short term temporary options. And so uh, it was expected that the Raiders would be active in free agency. And of course, with this offseason just picking up here, still got the draft coming up. It's not about to slow down anytime soon.
2: Well, let's start at the top of all of the action this week. The Raiders are a done deal as far as returning to Oakland. That is finally signed off on. It is official. They do have that option again for the 2020 season in case the stadium here is not ready in time, though we don't anticipate that to be a scenario where the Raiders will have to play in Oakland for that year. But it's there as a backup plan, just in case. Uh, Michael, what can you tell us about anything with that deal and how it got resolved? and anything that uh, the Raiders may have had to say on their side. I I read your article online. It didn't seem like uh, President Mark Bedain had a comment, but have you got any feel for how excited the team might be to get back to Oakland this year?
1: Yeah, this is what they wanted, and really it's what they wanted all along in terms of staying in the Bay Area. If the city of Oakland never filed its federal antitrust lawsuit against the Raiders in December... This thing gets done probably months ago, uh, but because the city of Oakland decided to pursue the legis, you know, the litigation route, uh, protesting the Raiders move to Las Vegas as, as illegal, that created this: where are they going to be? Search um, for you know speculation in the media and public, just curious as to what the Raiders were going to do because of uh, a team owner Mark Davis deciding that you know before. I pay money to the people suing me and pay for my own lawsuit, essentially. Uh, let's just make sure that this is the best option. And so uh, the Raiders did their due diligence, but arrived to the conclusion that Oakland is, is where they wanted to be and real close to their facility. And so, um, although, you know, as you mentioned, Bedane uh, declined comment. Uh, I've no doubt that the Raiders are happy to have this chapter behind them. Um, they're still exploring the possibility of having an exhibition, abroad away from oakland uh, perhaps in canada and so we'll see as they finalize that possibility one way or the other we should know that within the next month Um, but uh, yes the raiders know where they're going to be in 2019 and i would expect that the nfl owner meetings in the coming days owner mark davis will express some excitement to that fact
2: well, while I love Canada, I would have preferred to see like the Rams and Cowboys are playing in Hawaii. That could have been nice, but <laughs> we'll look forward to see what comes of this schedule once we get it finally out and cemented as far as every location that we're going to be in the 2019 season. And Michael, like this season is shaping up in free agency. The team has really come in like a freight train, making some very aggressive moves. Even this morning, just as we speak, they added Giant safety Curtis Riley to a one-year contract. Here, uh, you have a source that said that to you. Uh, you can follow Michael on Twitter for all these up-to-date moves at Gelkin NFL. Uh, so this could be an interesting competition for Carl Joseph, as you noted. And th- there's some positions like that right now where you have to wonder how everybody's going to move. Specifically, when it comes to the offensive line and some of those signings, like we'll. Brown and Colton Miller, what's going to happen with those positions? Uh, who's going to be the backup? Will it be Parker? They also added some depth uh, just recently to the offensive line with another signing with Debbie. And so what can you tell us about some of these moves? How will it shape up on the depth chart?
1: Well, Curtis Riley, the safety who just signed for the Raiders, he's somebody who has starting experience 16 games there last season for the New York Giants at four interceptions not somebody who signed a real mega contract, though. It's a one-year deal and probably minimum salary benefit. Nothing that's going to break the cake for the Raiders. So uh, he's going to enter the mix there in the secondary. He has a chance to start opposite Carl Josephs. I think Joseph's uh, position there as a starter is as safe as can be. Uh, but it's more so about who will be there next to him. And Riley is somebody the Raiders are excited to add. It looks like he might. When he left the team on on a visit earlier this week, it looked like he might be signing elsewhere. Take he took a visit elsewhere. Uh, ultimately, decided the Raiders were the best place for him, and that thus we have the agreement in place. And so uh, Riley is there in the secondary. Um, you mentioned the offensive line, and we have a pretty good sense who the starters going to be: uh, Trent Brown and Colton Miller. As you mentioned, the question is which side is are both those tackles going to be? Uh, Colton Miller was a obviously the left tackle last year as a first-round draft pick, wouldn't necessarily write off the possibility that he could stay on the left side. It's Even though the Raiders made Trent Brown the highest-paid offensive lineman in NFL history, and typically you have those big tackle contracts be left tackled, Raiders are playing division where, for example, you go against the Chargers, you got Melvin Ingram on one side, you've got Joey Bosa on the other. Take your poison, no matter what you want to have a tackle you can trust on either side. So uh, we'll see over the course of the coming weeks and coming months where the Raiders are leaning there. But the nice thing is is that Trenton Brown has the versatility. So should Colton Miller go down, he's a right tackle, uh, Brown is, he could flip over to the left side and Brandon Parker as a swing tackle could step right in as a right tackle where he's probably better suited uh, to be a right as opposed to Trenton Brown who can, both adequately so uh, we'll see ultimately again uh, Miller and Brown left or right but uh, Raiders still is that adding Brown upgraded them significantly they really weren't looking to have Brandon Parker as their starting right tackle this season.
2: Well, here's a couple of signings that have really brought some headlines to the Raiders. Just recently, the signing of Vontez Burfecht from the Bengals. Of course, a lot of people will associate Burfecht with that late hit that he had on Antonio Brown uh, just last year. So we actually, on this podcast, haven't talked about the signing of Antonio Brown either and what he brings to the team. Uh, I know he and Derek Carr went to work out. This is, again, I saw it on your Twitter. (laughs) Uh, At a high school, they threw the ball all around. I mean, how happy right now is Derek Carr to have these weapons with the addition of Tyrell Williams, Antonio Brown, and and once once we get into that, we got to get into this what the locker room's going to be like with Antonio Brown and is perfect in it.
1: Yeah, uh, you mentioned the high school throwing that was something that Antonio Brown and Derek Carr began doing, We've done it multiple times uh, began doing even before Antonio Brown signed his contract and officially was a Raider. Technically, he was a Pittsburgh Steeler, while at an East Bay high school field catching passes and running routes for Derek Carr. And so that relationship, that off the field rapport, it's only going to be fortified with time. It'll grow stronger over the course of the off season, OTAs, training camp in Napa. But certainly, I would expect Antonio Brown and Derek Carr to get along really well, especially early on. I think time is always a test when it comes to these sorts of things, but uh, early in the, in the early going, I, I, I think Antonio Brown's work ethic combined with Derek Carr's desire to be great and prove that he can be a top quarterback in this league, a top 10 quarterback, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, I, I think that's going to mesh really well. And some people have, you know, we, we can ask Pat Kirwin that later. I'm curious what his thoughts are, but um I, that's where i would expect the relationship to go uh, likewise with john gruden you know some people ask you know how is that going to work antonio brown john gruden well on the day march 13th that antonio brown signed that morning before signature was put to paper in the afternoon in the morning gruden and antonio brown are in gruden's office and gruden has created a 400-play cut-up of Antonio Brown plays. And they're just going play after play after play. Gruden saying, I really like this. We want to use you this way. You know, these are the sorts of plays that we like to correct in the future. Just kind of going through everything. And for Antonio Brown to sit there and just feel like he's with a coach who wants to unlock his greatness even further. Brown has pretty high aspirations for what his career is going to look like. He's chasing Jerry Rice from a longevity standpoint, from a production standpoint. Obviously, Antonio Brown has a long way to go to reach that pantheon, but that's where his mind is. That's where his mentality is as he becomes a Raider. And Gruden, who had Jerry Rice late in his career, uh, this he thinks, they both think, can be a relationship that benefits all parties involved. So, again, we'll see, but I think this was a big deal Obviously, for the Raiders, for their culture, Antonio Brown, many people say a number of things about him. Nobody questions his work ethic, what that will do for the Raiders, who also added Tyro Williams to their top free agent target at the position uh, to be able to add them both um, was a significant haul. For this offense,
2: and they got J.J. Nelson, also a guy that used to play for the Cardinals. He's a real speedster. I like him as well. So I really think they are buffering up this core here of the wide receivers. Uh, like as we mentioned, Michael, you said that we will ask Pat Kerwin about uh, Antonio Brown and about Vontaze Burfict and the the locker room relationship they may have in the future. So we will get Pat here on the line again. He is uh, worked for NFL com as an analyst he's a host of SiriusXM's xm's moving the chains he's also spent some time as an area scout and as an executive so let's hear from pat herwin on all things that have to do with the raiders and their recent signings
0: it's great to be with you heidi and michael and uh, anytime we're talking football i'll make myself available to heidi she is awesome and i knew she was a star the first time i met her so i'm glad that your career has gone exactly as you wanted to go
2: oh. uh, i'm very happy
0: to be here with you guys
2: Thank you. Thank you again. Um, well, first of all, Pat, we know that you know all the insides and outs of this game, and the Raiders right now are looking at three first-round draft picks in this NFL draft that's coming up. So I wanted to ask you, what kind of moves you would foresee with this team? I know you just spoke with Mike Mayock on your show. Uh, what kind of you know, moves do you think that the Raiders will make with these picks?
0: Yeah. uh, They, they are very excited that they didn't have to give any of those picks up uh, for the business they've done for Antonio. So uh, they intend on using all the picks. Now, will they move up position themselves in different ways? They might. Um, Mike Mayock under the directions from John Gruden will do those kind of things. But I think, I think a couple of things, the first priority is a pass rusher. Um, and they should be able to solve that up at four and, um, I think the little bit of a smokescreen that's out there that they love the quarterback from Ohio state. I I try to explain this to people. It's their job to investigate every good player. And not everybody who was at Ohio state for the pro day yesterday was there just for the quarterback. They could have been there for the receivers. There's two very good receivers, both very fast, they could have been there for the defensive tackle because they need one of those as well. There's a lot of reasons to be there, but nonetheless, um, when you say you're interested or leak out information that you're interested in, maybe the quarterback, maybe you're really trying to sell your spot and move down a few spots. Uh, maybe a team like the Giants would be interested in moving a four to prevent someone else from moving a four. So that's always part of the game of the getting ready for the draft. But they're going to walk out of this thing with a pass rusher for sure. Um, I think they're going to get a defensive tackle and I think maybe a cornerback. And Mike said to me that you know defense will be a priority uh, when they get to the draft.
2: Well, Pat, you mentioned the Antonio Brown trade and the Raiders not having to give up a first-round pick at all for that, which I was surprised by, but uh, I think our guy Michael here knew that all along was part of the way the process could work out. But for this team, what do you think about the free agency moves and which player is going to have the most immediate impact on the team?
0: Well, it'll be Antonio, and and the reason... First of all, he's a 100-catch guy. We all know that. And it's going to help the quarterback, who you know almost had a 70% completion rate anyway last year. So he should be able to get to 70%. I mean, that's the territory that only Drew Brees kind of floats around in. Um, But he's going to open up the run game. Uh, He did this in Pittsburgh. When he's on the field, uh, you have issues and you have challenges. Are we going to put that safety down? Or are we going to land up rolling the coverage on top of Antonio? Carr's smart enough to see what's going on. And uh, certainly John Gruden is. And those guys will be able to manipulate their game plan calling uh, all they want because Antonio is on the field. So he'll be the number one reason uh, things will change for those guys. I think the number two reason could be we could have a real problem in Kansas City if Tyreek Hill uh, is unavailable. We'll see how that plays out. But when you start looking at the nemesis known as the Chiefs, uh, they're not as strong as they were last year. So I think the Raiders kind of feel like we're catching up to them. And they're helping us do it. So uh, would I say that the Raiders can win the division? Uh, I'm not ready to say that yet, but I do think that they're very much a playoff contender.
2: And how solid of a duo do you think that this Gruden and Mayock combo is as far as like trying to reinvent the team and bring back the the Raiders culture of the past, the winning culture that we were uh, seeing way back with the Raiders?
0: (laughs) Well, John knows all about it. And you know that... um, al davis god rest his soul he was going to hire mike mayock years ago uh to be his personnel director and mike had called me about it and said that the offer was on the table and he wasn't so sure that he wanted to do it and he wasn't ready to do it at the time but he's ready now so the davis family has always had their eye so so those guys mike mayock understands that john's the boss mike is a grinder and he's one of those guys that's in all the time he he is loves personnel and I knew he was born for this thing, and I thought the media was a waste of his time. But it was a good prep for him. He and I did a lot of shows together when he first got in it. And I used to say to him all the time, I said, Mike, you really should be in the league. What you like doing. See, he was criticized quite a bit on television for being too in-depth, too X and O-ish, um, because he knows the game and he loves the game. Now now he's, not, he's in a world where that's more than acceptable. It's a requirement. So he'll do great, and I think he's going to be good for John. Sooner or later, he's going to have to you know, get John to see it his way once in a while. And I told him, you've got to win some of the battles, Mike. And I think he is winning some of them now.
2: They have uh, Vontez Burfict just recently signed linebacker out of Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, what do you think of this addition to the team? Because uh, there's been a lot of controversy about him, especially now that he and Antonio Brown are teammates, and there was that one late hit that Burfict had on Brown uh, not too far back, and now these two are sharing the same locker room. What do you make of this signing?
0: Um, well, it's an interesting one. I don't, these are the kind, these one-year deals, guys like him, he could be cut in September uh, when it, when the last cuts come out. This happens quite a bit. I mean, they're going to take a good long look at him. Um, if he's a fit, um, they'll keep him. If he's reverts back to his old ways, which he suggests he will, because that's the way he plays, I, I, he might not make the team. Uh, well, let's see if they go and draft uh, a linebacker and put themselves in a position they don't have to keep Vontez. Now, Vontez shapes it up and does what he's told, uh, and doesn't behave like he did as a Bengal, then he'll be here. But I look at those kind of signings, quite honestly, Heidi, as like, yeah, let's see if he makes it to Labor Day.
1: There's been a lot of outside speculation as to how Derek Carr and Antonio Brown could mesh, And from my vantage, I don't see an issue there. I see the quarterback in Carr who's worked well with, you know, quote-unquote problem receivers in the past, such as Michael Crabtree. And... Antonio Brown, the way he practices, seems to make those around him better. And I think Derek Carr thrives around that type of person. But I'm curious, your vantage point, how you think Antonio Brown and Carr will mix, and even he and John Gruden.
0: Yeah, John John stirs the drink there. And so he'll be hard on Carr. He was hard on Carr all last year. He'll be hard on Carr uh, all the time. He just feels like he's got to keep pushing him to get the most out of him. You know, the gold standard for John is Richie Gannon and Richie, could take a lot from John and he was also self-motivated. I think cars getting there. I admire him for how he handled the pressure. John applied to him last year. Uh, he'll apply more this year. The receiver, he's not going to be a problem. Here's where, here's where it could surface though. You know, Antonio is a guy that doesn't always run the route he's supposed to run. And that's well-documented by <laughs> lots of guys that were in Pittsburgh. And that was part of the frustration Ben had with him. How will Carr handle it when the guy's supposed to run a skinny post and he's running an out route, uh, mainly because he thought he saw something. And now all of a sudden the quarterback's holding the ball and taking a sack and John's screaming at him. And then, you know, when they all watch the film, they realize that Antonio. So this has to be corrected as it happens. And Antonio has pretty thin skin when it comes to that. So hopefully he's, you know, okay with this and he understands that the quarterbacks have to make sure that he's doing the right thing and he has a bit of reputation for not doing that so um that was part of the failure in pittsburgh i hope it's not part of the failure in oakland
1: the draft coming up april 25th 27th in nashville a lot of talk and focus surrounds those dates and understandably so but as a former scout i was curious what your Thoughts are as it relates to what happens after the draft. You know, the Raiders' front office looks a lot different today than it did five months ago, but a lot of these scouts are waiting to learn whether or not they're going to be part of the Mike Mayock front office. There's only so many personnel moves you can make to your scouting department in terms of area scouts or others in the organization. Um, What is the mood like? In a group of scouts, such as the Raiders have, where they're preparing for the draft, but they know that after the draft is done, some guys could be let go, forced to move on to another
0: club, while others uh, could be retained. Yeah, well, it's was working on eggshells, but it, it happens everywhere whenever there's a takeover. Um, Mike's the guy. Mike's going to bring in his own people. Mike's watched a lot of scouts along the road when he was on television. He had a lot of communication with a lot of guys who he respects, he knows whose contracts are expiring at other places. He is definitely going to put his own staff together. I don't think everyone will get fired. He's going to admire a couple of guys that are in there because of their work ethic, but um, they aren't his guys. And it typically, remember, Mike Mayock's biggest influence is Bill Belichick. So I work with Bill Belichick and Bill Belichick's an extension to Bill Parcells. So what do I know about those guys? And I work with both of them. They will clean house wherever they go. And it's not that they think the guys can't scout. It's just that they want guys in there that understand how they do it. And they want total security inside the building. They don't know who talks to the media. They don't know who's whispering to anybody and everybody about what's going on. Mike might remember himself, being told things by a raider scout that now that he's in charge of the raider scouts he would not want them saying that to the next mike mayock down the road so i would expect most of them will be gone not all of them Uh, most of them will be gone and, and mike will mold the staff around what he wants and what he's safe with and how john gruden feels but i know mike mayock's background says clean house start over
2: All right, Pat, thank you so much for the time. Just one more thing here for me. Did you ever think that Las Vegas would see itself as the hometown of the Oakland Raiders, much less any NFL team?
0: (laughs) No, it's a good question. I remember Paul Taguilabue, I was at a meeting and one of the guys said, do you think we'll ever put a team in Las Vegas? And Paul looked right at him dead serious and said, not in my lifetime. And those were his exact words. So I kind of thought we'd never go there, but I'm glad we're going. I've talked to the mayor many times, and uh, she's all excited. It was fun. Fun. The vision they had for what was going on. I think, in a lot of ways, I, I can't verify this except that I think, I think the Chargers regret they weren't the ones to go, uh, because the L.A. thing to me could be could be hard on them. But I think, I think going to Vegas is going to be the envy of a lot of teams uh, in the NFL, and the Raiders are going to be the recipients of all that tourist trade and it's going to be full stadiums and it's going to be exciting and i think it's going to be the first time the raiders are going to have a lot of cash and be able to compete uh the way others do because right now they have to do contracts with guaranteed salaries in third years and, and those things can really haunt you it haunted al davis but they never had a lot of cash and they got another year of no cash and then when they get there i think they're going to be able to get good footing and be able to operate like other teams
2: well pat Thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate having you. You can find Pat on on realfootballnetwork.com. He's a host, again, of SiriusXM's Moving the Chains and a consultant also for the NFL Today Show. You can find him on Twitter at Kerwin underscore NFL. Pat, thank you so much again. Enjoy the rest of your day.
0: Okay, Heidi and Mike. Thank you very much.
2: Again, that was Pat Kerwin, a very good friend of mine. You can always check him out on Sirius XM's Moving the Chains. He hosts that show every day of the week. So we have Michael, the Raiders, again, in the spotlight with their three picks in the first round of the NFL draft coming up here April twenty fifth through the twenty seventh. And at four, Pat. And everybody else thinks that they're going to have to go after an edge rusher. Well, just recently, one of those edge rushers who a lot of people thought would be at the top of the draft list, his value may fall. That's Montez Sweat. They recently discovered that he has some sort of a pre-existing heart condition. What does that do to somebody like him that had a great combine? He looked fantastic out there. And then all of a sudden, this comes to light. What kind of... I guess, what effect does that have on his value?
1: Well, first of all, if Pat said anything other than the Raiders were going to draft somebody who's taken after the quarterback or who's going to get after the quarterback with the number four overall pick, we would have had to hang up on him because (laughs) it's it's very clear what the Raiders are going to do. Obviously, they have added zero edge rushers in for agency, and that's where the investment is is coming. Uh, You know, they're telling Paul Gunther, I'm sure, be patient, Uh, we'll take care of you. Over the course of time, and, and starting on April 25th, when the Raiders have uh, three first-round draft picks, and they also have the number 35 overall pick in the second round the next day, uh, this defense will begin to be addressed. You'll see some offensive picks in the early going, but certainly at number four overall, Raiders are going to draft a defensive lineman who can get after the quarterback. Montez Sweat, a promising player, somebody the Raiders got a close eye on at the Senior Bowl, a chance to sit down and talk to them as well as evaluate on the field. He is somebody who obviously we've seen in the past. Mohurst Hurst Jr. Fifth round pick last year because of the heart condition. He told to the Raiders. A lot of teams had him off their board entirely. Many people were uncomfortable selecting him because of a heart condition that was fight at the combine. This is a different situation. We understand the significance of a heart issue. It's not like we're talking about a knee problem or an elbow or shoulder this is the heart. And so whenever a heart is flagged at the combine, it certainly raises eyebrows because of what that could mean for a player for get his draft stock just for him and his life. That being said, Montez Sweat is not a Mohurst Hurst uh, situation. There's no comparison there. At least that's what the doctors say. You yeah. can tell because of the fact that Montez Sweat was able to perform drills at the combine. He, he wasn't someone who had to go home and stay home, and not participate, and be shut down physically while doctors from all over evaluated him. That's not what this was. Uh, so this uh, should not impact his draft stock. Uh, so minimal fashion. He was a first-round draft pick before he was flagged at the Combine. He should be a first-round pick next month. As a case in point, typically, if a player has a medical issue that teams are worried about, They have what are called the combine rechecks. And so there's the combine in late February and early March. That's when everybody goes and has their physicals, runs a 40 yard dash, all that. Well, there's also a second combine of sorts. So it's it's a medical combine where players are told, yeah, we need to take another look at that shoulder or elbow or knee. Well, nobody needs another look at Montez Sweat's heart. He's not being invited back. And so that is an indication, again, that the league. All 32 teams aren't overly concerned with this. Of course, we can wait and see what happens on April 25th, but that's the expectation. That's the temperature surrounding this situation.
2: Well, Montez Sweat he set a record for defensive lineman running the 40. He had to set a time of 4.41. That is quick. So, <laughs> uh, again, yeah. he's somebody I think could really the Raiders could really benefit from having on their on the draft here
1: probably a trade down scenario um i, I think he's, he's gone but time on the clock at number 24 and number four overall is, is too early for him probably when you, you look at you know, josh allen of kentucky uh, probably the top edge rusher who you would project to be available presuming that nick bosa and quinn williams are off the board at two and three
2: Right. I hope the Jets don't get to him first at that point, right? Because that that seems to be somebody from Kentucky, Josh Allen, that everybody is really eyeballing there at the earlier spot. But we will get into more of this as we continue preparing you for what we think will happen with the Raiders NFL draft picks. Again, that number four pick is going to be really interesting one to watch and see what they do with and who they are able to get At that spot. Again, we will get you all the information that you need for these NFL draft preview shows that we have here on Vegas Nation. And Michael will be heading down to the NFL meetings also where they're going to have a discussion about instant replay. Uh, that pretty much affected who ended up in the Super Bowl uh, if you look at it from the Saints perspective so uh, or maybe in our next show we'll get into all the details of that and what happens uh, with the instant replay rules so you want to keep it tuned here to Vegas Nation you can find everything that we put out on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and any platform that you listen to your podcasts on and also on ReviewJournal.com slash podcast find Michael and I on Twitter at GelkinNFL and at Heidi Fang and don't forget to subscribe to the show thank you all for listening